The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. Welcome back to Bull Season Daily. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Happy New Year to you, Mr. Fernelli, and all of the listeners as we stare down a five-pack of bowl games on New Year's Day. The college football playoff semifinals were semifinals, and the national championship matchup is enticing. How, how are we feeling? Oh, man, 2022 is awesome. I'm just absolutely loving it. Happy New Year, Chip. Happy New Year, everybody. Just wow. Welcome to the new year. Everything's great. No more problems. It's fixed. Everything is fixed. I like the vision. I'm vision boarding our way into 2022. The football action is going to begin here in a couple hours. Noon kickoff at the Outback Bowl, Arkansas, Penn State. Our uh, team, Bloomin' Onion, is Arkansas. Our team, Coconut Shrimp, is Penn State. I cannot believe that I've gotten in so many conversations (laughs) about this this week, but... Uh, what about the football side? Because you discussed um, on the Cover 3 Locks podcast, which, yeah, everything is done in chronological order on the Locks pod. So if you want to go hear even more picks, go and listen to that show. You can fast forward right to the New Year's Day portion. But, man, Penn State, shorthanded in a big way. Feels like that's the biggest storyline for me going into this game. Yeah, this is like, if you think about it, these two teams have had similar years. Like Arkansas started off really well, picked up wins over both Texas and Texas A&M, was ranked pretty highly in the AP poll. And then, you know, over the last half of the season, it didn't play poorly, but, you know, it couldn't maintain its hot start. And then there was Penn State, which opened the year 5-0, and had a couple big wins to start the season against Wisconsin and Auburn. Then it goes to Iowa, is ranked number four in the country loses and that kind of started a slide as this team you know it lost five of its last seven games so it went from five and oh to seven and five so it gets to the end of the year not playing great not feeling great loses to michigan loses to ohio state and now we're getting to this bowl game here today and pretty much everybody that's kind of important to penn state save for its quarterback sean clifford is out jahan dotson not playing ellis brooks not playing 
Brandon Smith not playing. So there's two of your starting linebackers. You're starting safety. One of the best safeties in the country, Jaquan Brisker, not playing. Derek Cangelo and your starting defensive lineman, not playing. Arnold Ebikidi, your guy with like 20 tackles for loss and eight sacks, 52 quarterback pressures, not playing. So, like, Penn State's entire defense is out. Jahan Dotson, who really was the offense for the most part because this is a team that really struggled to run the ball all season, which I swear to God is something we say about Penn State every single year. But, like, Jahan Dotson became, like, the de facto running back just catching little screen passes and then going deep. So he's not playing without your offense. And this is not to overlook the losses that, Arkansas has because Traylon Burks isn't playing. He's a tremendous receiver. That's a big loss. Trey Williams got arrested for DWI earlier in December. He's not playing in the game because of that. He's going to the NFL draft anyway. So Arkansas has its losses too. It's just Penn State is missing so much in this game, particularly on defense, that I just can't help but believe Arkansas is going to have a good day. I'm taking them to cover the spread. I'm probably going to take their team total over as well, just because Mm -hmm. like Penn State, like James Franklin and that staff have recruited well, but you're still missing a ton of guys. One of your co-defensive coordinators, Brent Pry, has left to take the Virginia Tech job, so he's not there. Your other co-defensive coordinator was close to taking the Virginia job, so it's like I I just feel like this is a team that's kind of checked out on the 2021 season already and is going to play the game, and maybe, you know, hopefully they show up and they're ready to fight because it's a big New Year's Day game against an SEC opponent, but I just I worry about this one could go sideways pretty quick. The, um, like, you just throw it out and entirely projecting onto James Franklin, which is very responsible and mm-hmm. the kind of thing that what we do. It's our job. It's what we do. I, I think that you just challenge all of your twos and threes. Cause you mentioned they've recruited very well. There are, there are talented players mm-hmm. um, that are on this roster that are underclassmen. And you almost like, don't even, you, you don't even try to pitch the focus of like, of course, again, they want to win. They're only two and a half point underdogs. We're talking about them. Like there's zero yeah. chance that they win. Only two and a half point underdogs, but I think that speaks to the power rating and the talent that's on the roster. Arkansas, KJ Jefferson is playing, and uh, I think that that rushing attack will be able to lean on Penn State just a little bit. I'm kind of with you on that. So that's at 12, and then we've got two games that are going to get started at one. So we'll have, whew, boy, it's been a long time. I know. Three games simultaneously going on. Watching watching both the Sun Bowl and Gator Bowl at the same time on, on Friday, I was like, oh, man, I'm getting kind of worn out here. I'm out of game shape. I'm not used to having to go back and forth between these screens. Uh, on ESPN, you can find the Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State. Um, this is a... This is a game that I think that from the betting perspective might as well be a pick them like Notre Dame yeah. one, Notre Dame two, uh, very, very low total around 44, 45. The, the story, I, I think the end undisputed or indisputable. Those are my two options, right? It's one <laughs> it can of them. either be undisputed or indisputable. It cannot be disputed. The number one entry point, number one storyline from this game is Marcus Freeman. Recently promoted to replace Brian Kelly. This is the beginning of the Marcus Freeman era in a very, very big stage. I'm going to go with indisputable because undisputed. We are not Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. So, yeah, no, I I think that's obviously that's 
the big story. It's Marcus Freeman's first game as head coach, replacing Brian Kelly. Um, another big story on the Notre Dame side is Kyle Hamilton is not playing, but he's been out for a while because of the knee injury. So it's like, yeah, he's not playing in the game, but this is a team that's been used to that and they figured things out without him. So it's it's a still a big loss because he's a great player, but. And Tyron Williams is out, but we still have Chris Tyree. We've still got a lot of skill players that are going to be there. And, you know, with Marcus Freeman getting promoted, Tommy Reese is staying on at offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. If if you were to think about Notre Dame in a bowl game after Brian Kelly leaves for LSU, most ways that you imagine that situation, there's been a massive loss of staff. There's been a whole bunch of transfers out of the program. But there has been, I mean, I, I, I have not, double checked the support staff and like second level but it seems that in terms of continuity losing your coach to LSU this is the most amount of continuity that you could possibly have and I'm not really expecting Notre Dame performance wise to miss a beat it's almost like out of my respect for Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State's defense and Mike Gundy in a bowl game is the reason why I think this is is still a very close and competitive game one way or the other yeah no it's it's going to be an interesting game I I think that this is one of the, like we saw with the Peach Bowl on Thursday, like when Pitt got down to its third string QB, it was still a good game, but it wasn't like a good game. It was just kind of close and entertaining. I think this legitimately has a chance to be like a good, fun football well, game. Well played even, football game. Yeah, even if there aren't a ton of points scored, because the total is at 45 and a half, 44. I'm not even sure where it is now. I think it's dropped even further. But I do think that this is going to be an, an exciting game. I'm really looking forward to it. As far as betting it, I know you are on the over, and I kind of agree with you there because I think the total is a little too low with Jim Knowles missing from the Oklahoma State defense. But I'm also, I think I prefer Notre Dame on the spread at this point. I just, I don't know, but it's going to be a fun game to watch. And I think it's really exciting. Like if you're Notre Dame, it's weird because Brian Kelly did a lot of amazing things for this program to put it in the position that it is currently in. But I also feel like there's kind of a vibe around the program right now where there's kind of like everybody just kind of took a breath. You know what I mean? Like, <sighs> all right, let's fresh start. Let's keep going. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see how Marcus Freeman's first game with this team. He's uh, We've got a recruit coming who's going to be announcing later today from the 2023 cycle, uh, four-star safety um, one of the top defensive backs in the 2023 class. And he's from Texas and he's got Notre Dame, like crystal ball pointing towards Notre Dame. And you go to like his recruiting thing and Marcus Freeman was there. And mm-hmm. you go and look at what happened at the early signing day. Notre Dame has a top 10 class. Marcus Freeman being able to keep that group together. I, I think your vibes, yes, are, are in part Brian Kelly's gone but then also that the Marcus Freeman has been handed the reins because we talked about Luke Fickle. We talked about, you know, we tried to like go through all these different names of coaches who might be interested, coaches who might take the job. And I, I think that it is interesting that one of the biggest, one of the most notable programs in the entire sport decided to stick with its gut and just go ahead and promote the guy, even if Mm -hmm. it was a few years earlier than they actually expected it to happen. So here we go. Marcus Freeman era begins on national television in the Fiesta Bowl. And now Notre Dame of all programs is like the cool team. I know. <laughs> That's so weird. That's going to take a while to figure out. That's It only speaks to what Alabama has done to our brains of <laughs> Alabama versus the world. That Notre Dame is, yeah. is all of a sudden a hip and cool program. Yeah, Notre Michigan Dame is cool. Is- Michigan was the, was the plucky underdog that everybody loves. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> um, okay, so then also at one o'clock. 
So we, here's for the viewing options, because I know that's what a lot of y'all want to know. Penn State and Arkansas, remember, get started at 12. That's on ESPN2. The Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, that's on ESPN. Then at ABC, we got the Citrus Bowl, Iowa and Kentucky. Uh, this is a, a lock fight for us on the Cover 3 Locks pod. Kentucky favored by three, over under a 44. But I, I think our anal- I think our picks are obviously very different. I think our analysis of this game is the same. We're just choosing different winners. Yeah. Yeah, and this is same team. I mean, I know it's New Year's Day and this is the Citrus Bowl, but I I feel like this game should be played on a 38 degree day, gray skies in Iowa City at 11 a.m. Central, because yeah. that's exactly what this is. I feel like I have seen this game 50 times a season for the last, I don't know, however many years. This is Kentucky is coached by Mark Stoops, who went to Iowa. And is very much, you know, part of that entire Iowa coaching tree, the Iowa family. And he's kind of not the same, but he's kind of made Kentucky into the SEC's answer to Iowa, like its own version. So now for him to be going against Iowa, this is going to be a very interesting game that probably won't be high scoring, probably won't feature a lot of big plays, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be close. It's going to be tough. And it's also a game where there aren't a ton of opt-outs. Like, Kentucky won't have Josh Lee. He was in a car accident. Isaiah Epps was in the same car accident. Those are two receivers from Kentucky, which hurts. But Kentucky was never a team that was beating you with its passing game anyway. So while it's significant, I think they can survive without them. Uh, Iowa will have Spencer Petras playing at QB starting, but they will be without Tyler Goodson, which I think is a bigger loss. But at the same time, Iowa's been, you know, shipping out running backs for the last 20 years at this point. Matt Hankins isn't playing in the secondary, but that's a secondary that's been banged up for a while. So they've gotten a lot of experience for their depth there. So I think this is going to be kind of a fun game. I think it's going to be close. I am on Iowa and the points. You are on Kentucky and the points. I just feel like if it was flipped over, I would probably be on Kentucky just because in a game I expect to be low scoring and close. I just want the points. And also, as we have seen for the most part, this bowl season, the big 10 is a damn juggernaut. Fair. Listen, scoreboard doesn't lie. Um, mm-hmm. So then once all that wraps up, the exclusive window requested by the Rose Bowl. <laughs> 5 p.m. Eastern time so we can see the, the sun setting out in Pasadena, California, Ohio State, and Utah. This is a, an incredible moment for Utah coming off the Pac-12 championship. Ohio State kind of feels like it's going to be a glimpse of the future the the hipster is it is utah like the hip play like you're you're fighting against the the juggernaut like the cool plucky underdog play yay go kyle whittingham and and utah yeah i mean it's yeah i i get i i think that you know I know, I know the wife is going to be rooting for Utah in this one hard because she's converted now. She's a big-time Ute fan. Life, Ohio life State will- plays the villain a lot in college football. And if the villain has like four very like notable opt-outs and is coming into the game, the us plugged into the normal world know that everyone who's coming in to replace those opt-outs is good enough to be a starter for Utah as well. Yes. And that we should not overreact to that in yes. terms of our expectations. Yes. But it, it seems like some people want to see Ohio State 
trip and fall a little bit, you know? Yeah, that's always the case. You're right, though. So they, they do play that kind of villain role, and they've kind of felt like we were talking earlier about Michigan and Notre Dame being the the cool, you know, the, everybody loves them now. Ohio State's kind of falling into that territory with Alabama where it's like, boo, they're the bad guys, they're the Death Star. But yeah, like you said, Garrett Wilson not playing, Chris Olave's not playing, Haskell Garrett's out, Nicholas Petit Frere's out. Those are all significant losses. Garrett and Petit Frere, I think, are bigger deals because it's not as easy to replace guys in the line for Ohio State as it is to replace their receivers, considering who they have that never could barely see the field this year because of the depth there, and they have Jackson Smith and Jigba. And like you said, their backups are starters for nearly every single other team in the country. And we literally saw that with Jamison Williams at Alabama. Yes. <laughs> and Man Utah, was a Blitnikoff Award finalist. <laughs> and he, he needed to leave Ohio State just to get on the field. But uh, Utah is at full strength, and they are. The concern here, if you're an Ohio State fan, is that game against Michigan, the Wolverines ran the ball down your throat pretty much the entire game. And Utah is a physical, tough football team that can that will try to do the same thing. Now, does Utah have the offensive line to completely wear down Ohio State's defense? That's what's going to be remain to be seen in the Rose Bowl. But I do think this is going to be an exciting and fun game. I think I'm, I'm taking Ohio State. I do think the spread is a little too small. But I don't think the Buckeyes are going to blow the Utes out. I think the Utes are too solid and too complete to let that happen. My concern is, can their offense do enough to keep pace? I don't think they will over 60 minutes. But again, I I think this is going to be an entertaining and fun game. And I mean, it is, no matter who's playing it, the Rose Bowl is my favorite game of the year every single year. So I'm really looking forward to it. Why don't we just always do the national championship at the Rose Bowl? Why don't we play every game at the Rose Bowl? We could just, you know, fit 12 games a day. <laughs> Can you fit 12 games in if, if we build like a second field in the parking lot, maybe? I don't know. Mm, no. No, 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 no. We'll stick, if we're going to have one nomination of Rose Bowl ideas to come from this bowl season daily, I'm going to nominate mine. <laughs> play the national championship in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. That'd be in an ideal world, yes. We just name, listen, let's just do no playoff. Let's just have everybody play bowl games and then we'll circle back and we'll vote and then we'll have a national champion. It's a novel, a novel, a new idea. This is crazy that they would never do that. Um, Then 8.45 p.m. Eastern time. Once we tie things up at the Rose Bowl, our attention will turn to a top 10 matchup in the Sugar Bowl. Ole Miss against Baylor. Uh, Ole Miss is short favorite over under around 57. Gary Bohannon will play in this game. Dave Aranda has also said they are not anticipating uh, any kind of, um, you know, widespread or any kind of COVID issues, at least on, on last check during his media availability on Friday. We are expecting Matt Corral to be playing for Ole Miss and Tom and Chip are just hoping that he doesn't run the ball 30 yes. times, especially if he's going to be playing against a hard hitting and feisty Baylor defense. Uh, <laughs> we've seen Dave Aranda's Baylor teams play play good against explosive offenses. Uh, Ole Miss, I think on paper, without a doubt, a, a, challenge, a, a talent advantage in this game. Fun, a fun. Fun Sugar Bowl. No, no expectations. Yeah. I I will enjoy this exhibition game just as a matter of, you know, sit down and I really have no clue which way it's going to go. Yeah, we've had like a few too many Sugar Bowls in recent years where the SEC team loses and you hear that, well, they didn't want to be there. They were they, they wish they'd been in the playoff kind of thing. I don't think that is going to be the case with the Lane Kiffin team and with Matt Corral I playing. I, I think that 
in a Dave Aranda team, Baylor, just their DNA and the way that they looked and played this year. It's like, this is going to be a great game between two teams who want to be there, both of whom want to win this game, and both of whom will view this as an important win for them because either one of these programs, winning a Sugar Bowl is huge. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so happy Matt Corral is playing, but like you said, Please, Jeff Lebby, I know that this is your last game calling plays for the Rebels before you leave for the Oklahoma job, but don't let him run the ball too much. He's got an NFL future. Uh, I I think Ole Miss is the better team. I am taking Ole Miss against the spread. I think it's a little too short, but the thing is with this Baylor squad, man, they they make it tough on everybody. Like They did not win the Big 12 by accident. They took care of business. They faced the top teams that they had to face, and whether they were if you viewed it as moving up a level or, or, you know, they, they never played down to anybody. It's like they always played to their performance level and it's a very good performance level and it's a very well coached team. And I just think that this is one of those games where it could be one of the classics of the new year six this year. It might be the best bowl game we've seen to this point. I've got a, an addition to that. Baylor makes it tough on everybody, including themselves. Yes, because in the red zone. It's gracious. Baylor will Baylor will establish a lead and have no idea what to do with it. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but that also that plays, that plays to the making it a good game. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, we don't want to blow you out. Come on, everybody's yeah, watching. Well, We're supposed to be entertaining these people. Yeah, just, thank you to Baylor for always making sure that the games are close and competitive, even when you accidentally jump out into a multiple score lead. I I'm gonna say Ole Miss, right? Like if we're if we're yeah. giving out some um, some some betting advice before we get out of here, but uh, I'm there's no personnel issues that I'm I'm really panicked about. I think it'll be a fantastic football game. These two teams combined for 21 wins this season, and like you said, Baylor won the Big 12 for a reason. I, I guess Ole Miss, yeah, could and, go either way. And no offense to Mr. Bohan, and it's just if this game comes down to one of these two quarterbacks having to make a play, which one do you trust to make it more? Well, that was also what I said for Sam Howell against Zeb Noland, and I didn't know about the Kirion Joiner, but still, I think that the point is it doesn't always add up the way that we expected. It's all right. I enjoyed taking some egg on my face for a public, very public and very live pick that stood at the front of an episode that's been downloaded a lot. It's yeah. It's always great when we're doing a locks pod, and you're already zero and one before we're halfway through the show. <laughs> He is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. One more bowl season daily, and it will be on Tuesday. But before then, uh, we will circle back up on Monday afternoon with the whole group uh, for more takeaways from the bowl season. Tom, thank you very much. 2022. Woo! Perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.